Hey everybody, it's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show. And before we get to this next video, I just wanted to tell you that if you are looking for a way to make some money, to get, get yourself into the green, get out of the red, hook up with me. It, it's very, very, very simple. Just go to attaboy.com, A-T-A-B-O-Y.com, and I will show you how to make some money with a low investment. And it's something I'm doing myself. It's not something I'm just hawking. So do it today. Hyperfund is the is the place. And uh, again, attaboy.com. Uh, you can watch a little video that I've put together for you. You can watch some other videos there, and you can learn for yourself how to get yourself some cash. So let's do it, okay? All right, here's the video you actually came to see. For timekeeping release, that is Bonham with uh, Guilty. And uh, I want to thank our guests from the last hour, Scott and Drew, for uh, joining us. Was that a good mystery guest? It was. I would have never guessed that in a million years. Yeah. I mean, who, I, who would have guessed the Chulies gum guy? No, I, I didn't think you would get that far, but I thought you would have got to clerks. Well, I was honing in, but I didn't, I, I just couldn't put my finger on it. It's all good though. And he was really good, man. He was, he was quite, quite the talker, which is good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and he didn't even have a drink. No, no, not for the last 15 years. Apparently good on him. Yeah, that's that's amazing that uh, you know I always hear these stories. You know, give given people giving their testimonials about their lives and and you know how bad off that they had gotten with uh, you know substance abuse, whether it's drugs or alcohol or both, right? You know, and and somehow some way they've they're able to live, and you know he did mention that he you know has some uh, prescription drugs now, but you know be able to live a healthy life if you've, you know, kind of destroyed your health. Right. You know, so it's always interesting. I always, you know, it's like, wow, well, how bad was it? You know, were you, were you on death's door? Were you to the point to where one more hit and you overdose or, you know, what yeah. the deal, you know, sounded like he was pretty down. Mm -hmm. He said he hit bottom a couple of times. It's like, Oh boy. Yeah. How far does, how far is that? Yeah. You know, the thing is, is I, I can only speak for myself that, uh, you know, I, I can't, I personally can't fathom, you know, being a substance abuser because, you know, even, even if I have one too many cocktails, mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, I can't do any more than that. You know, and, and it's never to the point of just being just totally obliterated. It's just like, uh, you know, I, that's enough. Yeah, that's that's where I draw the line. I I could never imagine being. I'm going to use a old timey term here, blotto. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't I can't imagine what that would be like, living day to day or several times a week to where you're just like totally out of it. Yeah, it's it's difficult when you get there. I did it with the with the divorce time. Where I was obliterated everything. Oh, that didn't happen, did it? <laughs> Dude, I was coming to the show at nine o'clock, just fucking wasted. Yeah. Going through the show and still drinking. Remember, there, there's a, there's a, I don't want to say a famous segment, but it's a, it's a, it comes up kind of often in the podcast network thing mm -hmm. of, I was drinking both whiskey and wine at the same time. Yeah, I remember that. And you were like, are you really drinking whiskey and wine at the same time? Yeah. It's just like, boy, what a, what a combo. And I was just like, ah, it's alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I was putting it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a, that was a, um, that was a bad time for me. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, people get into the whole self-medicating thing and they mm -hmm. go through a phase. A lot of people can go through a phase and then after whatever it is that's really troubling them works itself out, they can just kind of stop doing that. Yeah. But the, but there are other people, obviously, who, who don't, you know, they get into a jag and it just becomes a normal part of their mm -hmm. life. Yeah. I, I, dude, it's one of the reasons, like, I have all these rules. I'm one of those guys that could fall into it and just be there for a year, two years, whatever, till I drop dead, mm -hmm. you know, cause I love it. Every I I'm the worst kind of a drunk 
because I love the taste. I love the high and I don't really mind the hangover. I don't mind the next day being sick. I don't even mind puking. It's like, all right, I'll throw up a couple times and I'm good. You know, it's like, all right, I feel like shit for three, four hours. But if I felt good enough that night, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Feeling shitty the next day. So I'm the worst kind of alcoholic, you know, and I've really had to make rules for myself to avoid staying in that zone. You know, like, like one of the main rules is that I just do not drink alone ever. Okay. Never anymore. You know, because during the divorce time, I was drinking a fifth a day. I was literally getting up in the morning from my two hours of sleep or whatever it was I was getting because I wasn't sleeping at all. Mm-hmm. And I would do my dumb yoga and then I would have a screwdriver to, to work off the yoga. I would have a screwdriver and then I would drink all day long while I was working. Then I would go and sit at the hospital with my dad because my dad was in the process of dying. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting at the hospital with him. Then I would get all fucking depressed and bummed about that. So then I would go and as soon as I left the hospital, I'd start drinking again. It was a fucking mess. It was a mess, but shit happens, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I understand, you know, people fall into that for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's just out of, hey, you know, I hung out with these people and that's all we did was party all the time. Right. Or I'm self-medicating because I'm sad or depressed or lonely or something's bothering me and they, they self-medicate for that reason, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or they're just self-destructive type people just, you know, they, they're, they're unhappy for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and and people have all kinds of reasons. And, you know, I've known, I've known a few people that they, they went through a, a, a period Mm-hmm. And it was just until that, whatever that thing was in their life, that darkness, uh, was finally remedied itself or there was an answer or there was, I don't know, maybe they just got tired of dealing with it and they put it out of their mind or felt a, or figured out a better way of, of, of dealing with whatever it is that they were, uh, you know, driving them to drink as, sure. as the old saying goes. Yeah. I mean, dude, it happens. It definitely I definitely have friends in my life that I worry about, you know, that I absolutely am like, all right, you know, you're making me feel uncomfortable. And that's saying something. Cause I don't usually feel uncomfortable about anything. Yeah. But you know, you just kind of, you tell them, you tell them how you feel and then you back, you know, you back off and you say, okay, you know, I'm not your fucking mother. Do what you're going to do. You know, and hopefully I don't get that phone call. It says, mm, Joe died drank himself to death, did too much Coke or whatever. You know, I always hope that I don't get that call. And I have certain friends that I do worry about. I worry about getting that phone call from their mom or whatever, that they fucking put a bullet in their brain or fucking drank themselves silly or overdosed or whatever. I definitely have a couple of those in my world, Mm -hmm. but so far so good. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. Well, you know, the thing, is, the thing is, is that Scott obviously brought that up in conversation. Sure. And, uh, you know, he's, he seems like a better, better man for it. He Absolutely. seems very, uh, very charismatic and very upbeat yeah. and very, uh, grateful for, uh, each day that he has. Yeah. And, and there's no, t- I don't care what he's done the rest of his life. There's no taking away the Chulis gum guy. Well, of course not. That is such an iconic scene. Well, one of the, one of the funniest, and, and I still laugh every time I heard it and I heard it on the little clip uh, that you played, but the whole, he goes, yeah, he smells the changes and the, and the, who somebody in the, in that little group just like, yeah, you can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> that always make me laugh. He's the harborer of death. <laughs> I like that. I like what he goes. He goes, you see this? This is a trach ring. It came out of some some old guy's neck. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, yuck. <laughs> what is that? That's that's a diseased lung. Yeah. That's probably, ah. what your, that's probably what your lung looks like at this point. Yeah. Here, here. Now I'm a customer. I just bought some Chulis gum. 
if you're going to drink that coffee, I, would you mind drinking it outside? No, I'm going to drink it in here. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just a customer to having a conversation with other customers. Yeah, I know. that's a that's a great movie again i i saw it pop up on hbo max i i bought a new roku it it uh, came in uh wednesday okay it's the ultra the the latest and the greatest and you know i guess you know it's got a high speed processor in it to where you don't need a um you know an sd card anymore okay it doesn't have a port for an SD card to increase the uh, memory in it. Okay. Even if you wanted to. And uh, plus it, it um, streams anything that if you have a 4k television, right. It, it streams shows or video, whatever that gets filmed in 4k, it streams that. So, you know, the, the watching experience, if you have a 4k TV, you, you get true 4k uh, video. Right. And, and you can definitely see the difference with that. So for seventy nine ninety nine on sale, uh, it was a it was worth the buy. Right, that's cool. So I was uh, watching, you know, I was flipping through to you know see what I could watch, and mm-hmm. arcs popped up, you know, and I thought sure. yeah, I want to watch that. But then I started flipping through to see. Well, I've watched Clark's a million times, so I'm just going to flip through and see if there's something I haven't seen yet. And if I don't find anything interesting enough, then, then I'll come back and watch Clark's. Sure. You know, but I didn't watch Clark's. But okay. regardless of that, now here here we have a, a guest from, from Clark's. Yeah. I, I Dude, I could not have been more excited when Drew hit me up. You know, and and it's funny because ever since I met Drew, we we, like I said on the show, him and I text all the time. We just talk about movies and music and you know the whole Ellison thing and you know all that stuff and and he just out of the blue one day was like was like hey uh do you know who who scott scott is and i was like no doesn't ring a bell and he was like he's like he's the chulies gum guy and i was like holy shit cool and he was like he's like would you want to have him on the show and i was like I couldn't say yes fast enough to that. I was like, we have, we have told so many Kevin Smith and um, Jason Muse and Clerks and and, yeah, you've seen Kevin live. I've seen Muse do comedy. You know, I mean, we're, I would say we're very big fans of the whole Kevin Smith world. Yeah, absolutely. And, And to have somebody that's actually in that world on the show just was like, this is like fucking cool. <laughs> well, you know, those, you know, those blueprints that, uh, they have on, uh, mall rats. Mm-hmm. I have those framed. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I know you're a huge, you're, you're big into the world. Mm-hmm. You're, you're big into the view askew. And, and I, I am too. And I was just like, holy shit, we're going to have somebody from fucking clerks on. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. The original clerks. Yeah. Not the, not the, you know, although I, 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 I almost said not the donkey guy, but I'd love to have the donkey guy on, <laughs> you know, that would be, you know, that guy's got some stories to tell yeah, about reading that fucking script. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, I, I, I was, I was very happy that this happened tonight. So kinky Kelly, kinky Kelly. <laughs> Nope. Very happy that we had the Chulies gum guy on. That was fun. Yeah, it is fun. Well, on a more sad note. Okay. Larry King died. Oh. Oh. Oh, how sad. Where, where, did you ever find Larry King that great of an interviewer or even no. compelling in, in the least? Not in any way, shape, or form. I, me either. I mean, I, I know that he was a long-time staple on the Clinton News Network. You know, for forever, and you know, of course, I never watch CNN. It's a bunch of bullshit, right? And uh, you know, he he just, I I don't know what the uh, what the appeal would have been for uh, Larry King live on CNN for twenty five years. I mean, he wasn't that compelling, and he came off kind of stupid. Yeah, you he, know, he, he came off uninformed. That's what I meant. Ignorant. Is what yeah. the, is is the word I was really looking for? Yeah. I I mean he would have guests on and he didn't know shit about them. Well, I mean he he was the equivalent to uh, 
to um, Natalie, Natalie's world. Mm -hmm. You know, could you tell people who you are, what your name is, and what it is that you do? Yeah. That, that, that's, you know, Natalie. Yeah. Well, even the Motley, the Motley Crew interview he did. I'm here with the Motley Crew. Yeah. <laughs> the Motley Crew. The Motley Crew. Yeah. Didn't even know that they're Motley Crew. Right. He, he just was a, he was a turd. <laughs> Honestly, I, I never found him good. I, I just, I just didn't never understood the appeal of, you know, Larry King. Yeah. I never you're got on the, You're on the show live. Hello. Yeah. Got my light bright in the background. Hello. You're on the air. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are your tunes hummable? Thank you, Larry. And one of the all time stupidest questions ever. Your tunes. Are your tunes hummable? Are your tunes hummable? How do you answer that question? How do you think of that question? It's bizarre. <laughs> Motley crew. That was a Motley question, right? Are your yeah, tunes hummable? Yeah, he asked them. He, he was asking the guys of Motley crew if their tunes were hummable. Now that was after 30 years of Motley crew being out, right? Well, he had probably never heard one Motley crew tune in that's, his life. That's what I'm saying. Did in, in 30 fucking years. He didn't have one. He didn't have one producer at CNN that played him a minute of music and said, okay, this is the Motley crew. <laughs> this is what the Motley crew sounds like. <laughs> that was just a bizarre thing that Motley crew was even on Larry King live. It was a stupid thing. It, it goes into what I always tell these publicists too, because all these fucking publicists, They'll, they'll line up guys for these big interviews on shows where no one will, no one that would actually buy a ticket or a record or whatever will be watching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can go on CNN at the time and get 2 million viewers, but of those 2 million viewers, you're probably reaching 200 that are fucking Motley Crue fans. The rest of them were fucking Sade fans or whatever. <laughs> you know, they weren't into the motley crew and, and obviously the fucking interviewer wasn't i'm here with mick six of the motley crew <laughs> and look who it is it's tommy neal hello tommy <laughs> larry king the longtime cnn host who became an icon Icon through his interviews uh, with countless newsmakers and his sartorial sensibilities. I have no idea what that means. Sartorial, S A R T O R I A L. S A R T O R. Sartorial. Nice word, dick. No one knows what that means. Relating to tailoring clothes or style of dress. Oh, th that's because he wore the, the, uh, um, su suspenders, the suspenders. Yeah. yeah. Stupid bow tie. S sator sartorial sensibilities. Oh, that's great. <laughs> like, yeah. Wh why don't you use another word from the 1800s? Yeah. How about this dick writer? How about you speak in regular terms? Nobody fucking, nobody's walking around saying, you know what? Larry King had a real sartorial side to him. <laughs> Shut the fuck up with that. He used to, he used to shop at the finest haberdasheries in New York. Yeah, stop it. He dressed like Mork from Mork. Just fucking say it. Wear those dumb suspenders and those geek glasses. He was like if Mork fucked Urkel. Well, well, the funny thing is, I remember him discussing his um, sartorial suspender. methods. Well, his yeah, his sartorial methods, his dressing methods. Yeah, and he referred to his suspenders as braces. His braces, huh? His braces. You know, while I'm humming to the Motley crew, <laughs> I'm wearing my vertical braces to hold up my pants. <laughs> vertical braces. What a dick. Yeah, he was 87. Mm, 87 years young. Yeah. He had many years. He had many good years left in him. <laughs> oh, he didn't. <laughs> well, you know, he died. He died young. He died early. 
Really? For what? Well, for, because I'm sure he had more greatness within his, you know, within him had, had he not been taken from us so soon. Betty White calls him old. He was old. <laughs> I was old. Uh, King hosted Larry King live on CNN for over 25 years, interviewing presidential candidates, celebrities, athletes, movie stars, and everyday people. Mm. He retired in 2010 after taping more than 6,000 episodes of the show. Yeah, and three good interviews, Neely. Three good ones. <laughs> what were the three? John Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> Kato Kalen. <laughs> and the Motley Crew. And the Motley Crew, of course. <laughs> the Motley Crew would have been definitely up there. A statement was posted on his verified Facebook account of his passing. What is this Facebook you speak of? No idea. I never had one. His son, Chance, confirmed King's death on Saturday morning. With profound sadness, Aura Media announces the death of our co-founder, host, and friend, Larry King, who passed away this morning at age 87 at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. sure. For 63 years and across the platforms of radio, television, and digital media, Larry's many thousands of interviews, awards, and global acclaim stand as a statement to his unique and lasting talent as a broadcaster. A brother. A talent. His, his, his interviews were terrible. Yeah. Let me ask you, Anthony Cumia, Larry King. Cumia. Of course. Dude, it, Natalie, Larry King. Natalie. Natalie. That's what I'm saying. So, Kato, you <laughs> lived in the back. You lived in the back building with OJ. Did you get to cut the grass? <laughs> you know, anything but the question that you want to ask. You know, you want him to say, you want to ask, you want him to ask, did you ever see OJ beat Nicole? And he's like, so Cato, who cleaned the pool? <laughs> you know, you just ask this. Yeah, that, but that, that's basically CNN style questions. You don't ask the hard questions, right? You don't want to offend anyone. And you want him to come back and not answer more questions. Right. Of course. So, terrible. Uh, the statement did not give a cause of death. Yeah, he was old. Cause of death, he was old. Not even kidding here. I'm told that that the that the official cause of death, COVID. Yeah, I did see that that he got hospitalized for COVID is what it said. Yeah. Uh, King had been hospitalized with COVID in late December at Cedar Cedar Sinai. A source close to the family said he battled number of health problems over the years, suffering several, several heart attacks, mm -hmm. several. Yeah. In 1987, he underwent uh, quadruple bypass surgery. Mm -hmm. So, so his time was limited. Yeah. Inspiring him to establish the Larry King cardiac foundation to provide assistance to those without insurance. Well, the great Obama took care of that. Yeah. Uh, more recently, King revealed in 2017 that he had been diagnosed. Well, look at this. I, this is going to require a, a drum roll. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. More. No, not yet. <laughs> more recently, King revealed in 2017 that he had been diagnosed with lung cancer. Jesus and successfully underwent surgery to treat it. Now, he was a lifelong smoker, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So, so you're lucky you got 87 fucking years, you smoker. Yeah. You know? So so stop with the COVID. You you had a bad ticker and you had lung cancer. Probably should have chewed some Chulis gum. Exactly. <laughs> you smelled Harbor, the Harbinger of death. Yeah. <laughs> you smelled the changes coming. Yeah. Oh, I was waiting for you to throw that line in there. <laughs> yeah, you could smell it. No, I smell the smoke on your breath is what yeah. I smell. Yeah, no kidding. Jesus. 
He also underwent a procedure in 2019 to a, well, look at this, to address angina. Mm-hmm. Not vagina, but angina. Right. Another heart-related issue. Yeah. Hey, you're lucky you live this long, you old fuck. Yeah, no kidding. Jesus. Uh, King uh, also suffered personal loss last year when two of his adult children died within weeks of each other. Probably of old age. <laughs> You just took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Andy King, 65, suffered a heart attack. And his daughter, Chayla, C-H-A-L-A, Chayla King, 52, she died after being diagnosed with lung cancer. <laughs> I had to bury the Chayla. Uh, you know what? I, I hate to laugh about this, but... There's probably a high probability that both of these children suffered from uh, self-inflicted uh, health habits. I tried to tell them not to smoke, but they just wouldn't listen. They were around me all my life, smoking cigarettes. I'm Larry King Live. Hello, you're on the air. Larry King Live. You're on the air. Do you have ashtrays in every room? My kids do, except they're dead. <laughs> Now they don't. Now they fit in an ashtray because they're cremated. Man, you're stealing all the lines out of my mouth. <laughs> now they're now they are ashes. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Right. You're on the air with the Motley Crew. Right, of course. <laughs> Again, health health behaviors. Yeah, of course. More than likely caused you know, the death of his children, heart attacks and lung cancer. Come on now. Did they mention that in the story? His daughter, Chayla, lifelong smoker. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say that. No. Larry King, a lifelong smoker with a bad ticker and, you know, lung cancer. He died. I don't a- know what you're talking about, Neely. I barely smoked three packs of Luckies a day. Barely three packs. But he died of the COVID, right? Yeah. It's not like that's huffing on a on a, a gas pipe or anything, for God's sakes. Right. And here's the weird weird thing. And, and again, this just goes to show you how money talks. Mm-hmm. This Larry King was married, like, how many times? Like well, seven times or some fucking shit? Uh, more. Was it more? It was more. He was married eight times and divorced seven. All right. So, so this guy, not attractive smoker, but, uh, you know, he was gainfully employed in a, you know, a fairly high profile position. So, you know, that he made, you know, probably make some pretty good money. Oh yeah. So yeah, he he could marry, uh, seven or eight times, Yeah. which is stupid. Ladies, I've got lung cancer and a bad heart and 14 million a year. (laughs) <laughs> Who's going to suck the Larry King dick? Even Which if one of you supermodels. Even if it's flaccid. <laughs> Which one of you supermodels wants to feed me the blue pill? Which one of you? <laughs> In an era filled with star newsmen, star newsmen, yeah. uh, King was a giant. He was a giant. Among the most prominent question, a questionnaire. He's a questionnaire. <laughs> Did he ride in on a horse or something? Well, he sure wasn't an answer ear. <laughs> he was a questionnaire on television and a host of presidents, movie stars, and world class athletes. Can you just see him going to like JC Penney's or Sears or something, trying to fucking buy a, a lawnmower or something on credit? Occupation questionnaire. <laughs> uh, with an affable, easygoing demeanor, also ignorant, mm-hmm. that disguised him from the more intense TV interviewers. King perfected a casual approach, i.e., ignorant approach, yeah. QA Q- format, always leaning toward and listening intently to the guests. Where are we interrupting? Well, how could he interrupt? He knew nothing about the guests he was interviewing. Yeah, no kidding. I've so never again, Motley Crew. You guys write songs, is that correct? 
Oh, you're going to be on tour? Where are you going to tour? The world? What parts? <laughs> I mean, those were the questions he would ask. I know. I've never learned anything King was fond of saying while I was talking. You never learned anything from listening either, you dumb motherfucker. Yep. Uh, CNN founder Ted Turner in a statement said news of King's death felt like a punch to the gut. Good. He needs one. Larry was one of my closest and dearest friends. And in my opinion, the world's greatest broadcast journalist of what? all time. Of all time. Of all time. How did this guy fucking own a television network? And he thinks that Larry King was the greatest ever. I don't know. I guess fucking what? Um, Walter Cronkite didn't exist. I guess not. Dick Cavett. Guess not. Uh, Phil Donahue. And I know I'm stretching at Phil Donahue, but Phil Donahue probably better than Larry King. Yes. At least he knew his subject material. Yeah. Uh, Merv. Merv Griffin. Yeah. Merv or Larry King. Well, as far as interviewers go, Merv, of course. Of course. They didn't make a Seinfeld episode about Larry King's set. <laughs> if anyone asked me what my greatest career achievements in life were, one is the creation of CNN and the other one is hiring Larry King. <laughs> yeah. Because he told me about the Motley crew. Yeah. I, I noticed that, uh, I noticed that he didn't mention marrying Jane Fonda in that uh, list of achievements in his life. No, of course not. <laughs> That's one he wishes he could take back. <laughs> like so many who worked with and knew Larry, he was a consummate professional, an amazing mentor to many, and a good friend to all. The mm -hmm. world has lost a true legend. Legend. Yeah, the legend of Larry King. <laughs> The legend. I think uh, Bruce Springsteen needs to write a song about the legend of Larry King. <laughs> as aside from Tom Joad. <laughs> Some of you who are not uh, music scholars would not get that right. No, they won't get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I can see Bruce playing his dumb acoustic guitar. <laughs> he had the glasses and the braces on his shoulders. <laughs> You know, when I was a little bad boy living in New Jersey, my father would have that television set on and he would watch Larry King and he would say to me, little Bruce, there is a legend in the making right there. Larry King asking all the important questions. <laughs> Bruce, I know, I know that you want to be a singer, but you could only wish to be as legendary as Larry King. So I would look at my father, not always understanding what he was saying, but here we are, 45 years removed, and it just dawned on me. God damn it. My father was right. Larry King is a legend, which is why I sit up here on a stool with my acoustic guitar, just singing the song just for you, Larry King, the legend. You know... Right before my father died, I got to tell him, Dad, I'm going to appear on Larry King. And my dad said, Bruce, this is the highlight of your life and therefore the highlight of mine. Whoa, 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 Larry King. <laughs> How did we go from Bruce Springsteen to Larry King? Or vice versa. Because we're idiots. I know. Fucking idiots. <laughs> Jeff Zucker, CNN president. Jeff Mother Zucker, rather. That's right. Uh, on Saturday, acknowledged King's role in raising the network's profile around the world. <laughs> that just goes to show you that people watch CNN are just stupid. Yeah. If that raised their profile, it's just like, who who thought Larry King was that compelling? Holy fuck. Yeah, I guess all those people that watched him in the airport were like, holy shit, look who's on there today. Yeah. It's Lorena Bobbitt. 
How did he, he get her? He interviewed tools. That was his, he was like at the fucking low, lower end Geraldo. Pretty much. Yeah. No, he was, he was Geraldo without the vault. <laughs> vault. He had an empty head instead of an empty vault. Yeah, pretty much. He didn't learn shit. Mm-mm. We mourn the passing of our colleague, Larry King. The scrappy young man from Brooklyn had a history making careers spanning radio and television. His curiosity about the world propelled his award-winning career in broadcasting, but it was generally of spirit that drew the world to him. What career did he make? What person in the history of, of entertainment has, has come out and said, you know what? King as a, as an influence. Yeah. I'm yet to hear that person to say, you know, my career was going nowhere. And then Larry King had me on <laughs> and it launched me into superstardom. Right. And now we're Greta Van Fleet <laughs> or whoever. I don't even know who it would have been. Well, he, he retired in 2010, so he hasn't been quote unquote, making broadcast history for about 11 years now. You know, we couldn't get a gig and then we did Larry King and now we're Volbeat. (laughs) (laughs) We are so proud of the 25 years he spent at CNN where his newsmaker interviews truly put the network on an international stage. Mm I don't, I don't remember seeing the uh, newsmaker interview he did with the Motley crew. Yeah. I, I don't remember ever, ever seeing, oh my God, this big story is going viral or it's breaking out because of this appearance on Larry King. I remember it on, you know, Dan Rather or Howard Stern or, I don't know, ONA sometimes. Never Larry King. I miss even not Larry King. Are your tunes hummable? Seattle, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Seattle. Hello. Speak up. I'm deaf. <laughs> oh, that's right. One of my ex-wives took my phone. <laughs> Had eight divorces. Lucky I have anything. Lucky I got to keep these braces on my shoulders. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, we are so proud of the 25 years he spent with CNN, where his newsmaker interviews truly put the network on the international stage. From our CNN family to Larry's, we send our thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. and a promise to carry on his curiosity from the world in our work mm-hmm. <laughs> curiosity and in and in tribute don lemon will be wearing suspenders and shoulder pads for the next month exactly to go with the knee pads that he wears every day exactly for the quarter century king hosted larry king live on cnn a span that was highlighted by more than thirty thousand interviews including uh, every sitting president from Gerald Ford to Barack Milhouse Bonita Obama, <laughs> uh, and thousands of phone calls from viewers. Hello, Seattle. Hey, Larry, it's great to talk to you. Whatever happened to Queensryche? Oh, sorry, wrong show. I was trying to get Eddie Trunk. Hello. (laughs) You're on the air. Uh, Wendy Walker, his long-term, long-time executive producer on the show, said King treated all of his interviews subjects the same from a point of ignorance. From heads of state to the ordinary Americans. Benjamin Netanyahu, who are you? What do you do? Could you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what do you do in the band? I mean, in the world. Yeah. Are your tunes hummable? 
Have you ever listened to the Motley Crew? Do you are like they, them? Are they Jewish friendly? <laughs> Do you find their lyrics Jewish friendly? <laughs> the one thing he loved was being in front of that camera. Yeah, because it earned him $17 million a year or whatever the fuck they paid him. Mikhail Gorbachev, who spilled ink on your head? <laughs> was it the Motley Crew? I heard they were in the green room. <laughs> was it them? <laughs> he was a very interesting man, but that one hour a day when those lights came on, he was just perfect. Yeah. The perfect. Other, the other 16 hours a day, he was with a lawyer working out another divorce settlement. He treated every guest the same. It didn't matter if it was the president or somebody just off the street. When did he just bring somebody in off the street? Hey, homeless Jim, you're on with Larry King. Do you make tunes? Are they hummable, Jim? <laughs> Can you whistle through your missing teeth? Yeah. <laughs> you know what would help you out there on the streets? A tie like this one. <laughs> King was known for not spending time preparing for his <laughs> yeah, No kidding. <laughs> they actually wrote that in, the, in this article. It's quite the achievement. <laughs> Preferring instead to let his natural curiosity guide the conversation. Yeah, my, be my so best quality as an interviewer is that I don't know shit about who I'm talking to. So Fantastic. He was, so he was Natalie. He was. So you're, you're in Exodus, huh? What does that mean? <laughs> Is that a band this. or a book in the Bible? I can't tell. <laughs> I love this. I love that line in this article. This is the funniest goddamn thing. King was known for not spending time preparing for his interviews. <laughs> On with us. We've got Steve Zetro Souza. <laughs> God damn. From exotic. Who, who like being an exotic, Steve? Who couldn't do an interview like that without anybody. knowing anything? Anybody could do that. Anybody that would not freeze up when they said you're on. Yeah. So, no. so. Yeah. Hey, face in front of me. Tell me about yourself. Oh, yeah. Who are you and what do you do? According to my notes. <laughs> no, he didn't have any notes. According to my producer, you're Rob Halford. Who's that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, you're not an Iron Maiden? Well, what is your band called? You're in a band, right? <laughs> I could tell by those leather chaps and that leather jacket you're wearing, you know? <laughs> Where'd you get that made, Rob? <laughs> that would look snazzy with a pair of suspenders. Snazzy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great word. I love it. Snazzy. Hey, I can pull back the seventies vernacular too, my friend. I like it. <laughs> Probably that was the hardest part of our job, trying to prepare him because he never wanted to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so cutting edge. I don't need any help. Holy shit. He never wanted to be prepared. Why would you? <laughs> Terrible waste of time. God damn. If I could make, make millions of dollars not being prepared, I would just sleep until five minutes before the show. <laughs> Why would I prepare? What am I doing today? Well, there's a guy. He's kind of the head of state. He's coming in here. What head of state? I think he's from Iran. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just wing it from here. <laughs> Uh, wait a minute hmm. i'm i know you want to divorce me but hold on i gotta do an interview real quick oh my god hold on you can tell me how much you want in a minute oh but first i gotta interview the motley crew <laughs> oh man he read all day long and watched news. So he was really informed, but he really just wanted to hear his guests talk and then come up with the question. 
Oh, good. Who did? Who couldn't do that? That's easy. <laughs> who did, well, we did it tonight. Yeah. We did it with Scott and, and Drew. I mean, we didn't have a script prepared. It was just oh. like, hey, here's Scott. Hey, Scott. Uh, you know, what was it like being in Clark's? Yeah. We didn't get a half million for our performance either. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe if we had seven or eight more ex-wives, then we could fucking do. do oh, my God. Well, if you watch the show tonight on the video, yeah. uh, D-Live or wherever it is that we're streaming to, uh-huh. we, we, we do that every week. Yeah. There's nothing that's special about that. Oh, not at all. Nothing. In fact, I came into the studio today literally 10 minutes before we went on air. Yeah, but I was the first to do it unprepared, Neely. <laughs> God damn it. You guys are stealing from me. Yeah, I'm sure we were. That's the way I'm looking at it. You're stealing my gig. <laughs> you guys are unprepared, but I invented that shit. I was unprepared for marriage. I was unprepared for my show. I was unprepared for health. I was unprepared for lung cancer, and I was unprepared for COVID. I'm just an unprepared piece of shit. And I'm dead. But somehow I muddled through. Somehow I made it to the ripe young age of 87. <laughs> the show made King one of the faces of the network and one of the most famous television journalists in the country. He was mm. one of the most famous. I might agree with that. I mean, he's pretty famous. All right. His column in USA Today, which ran nearly 20 years until uh, 2001, showcased King's distinct style in print, inviting readers down a trail of non sequiturs, 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 yeah, non sequiturs, as, as a window into his mind. Really? Well, according to what I'm reading here, there really wasn't much going on there. Oh, you read my column? Great. What do you want me to write about? In fact, why don't you write it for me and I'll just put my name on it. Right, exactly. It'll be just like my TV show. <laughs> uh, the most uh, underutilized player in the NFL this year was Washington's Desmond Howard, despite what you think of Lawrence Welch. Lawrence Welsh. I don't know who that is. Lawrence Welsh, not Lawrence no, Welk. Not not Lawrence Welk. It's Welsh. W A L S H. Uh, we will always have the need for a special prosecutor because the govern the government cannot investigate itself. King wrote in 1992. Wow. <clears throat> wow. So why would you pull that up? It's a great quote, Neely. I don't know. He sounded intelligent in that one. Sounded like he might have done a little bit of prep work for that quote. <laughs> Apparently so. Not a lot. <laughs> Those musings combined with the unmistakable appearance, oversized glasses, ever-present suspenders made King ripe for character. Mm -hmm. He was portrayed on Saturday Night Live by Norm MacDonald, who channeled the USA Today column with a spot-on impersonation. Jokes aside, King's influence is evident today in the generation of podcasters who have mimicked, i.e. Natalie, whether deliberate or not, his conversational approach to interviews. So basically what he's saying is any old, any old uh, uneducated fuck can do a podcast. Yeah, what I got out of that is all podcasts suck. That's what I got. <laughs> or or people who do podcasts can be done by anyone. Yeah, anyone can do it. Yeah, anyone can do it. <laughs> it, the, it doesn't sound, uh, you know, that hard. Yeah, well, you know, the formula for podcasts today is anyone can do it. All right, here, here's the formula. Microphone, check, go. <laughs> Jesus. A good interview, you know more than you do before you start. You should come away with maybe some of your uh, opinions changed, King told the Los Angeles Times in 2018. You should certainly come away entertained. An interviewer is also an entertainer. 
All right. Well, good. Uh, born Lawrence Harvey Zeiger, Z-E-I-G-E-R, on November 19th, 1933, in Brooklyn, New York, King was raised by two Jewish immigrants. His mother, uh, Jenny Zeiger from uh, Lithuania, while his father, Edward Zeiger, hailed from the Ukraine. Edward died of a heart attack. Wow, heart attack. Another heart attack. Another heart attack. Uh, when King was 10, a memory King said he mostly blocked out, left to raise uh, King and his uh, younger brother, Marty, alone. Jenny Zeiger was uh, forced to go on welfare to support her children. The death had a profound effect on King and his mother. Prior to his death, I'd been a good student, but afterwards I just stopped being interested, King told The Guardian in 2015. It was a real blow to me, but eventually I channeled that anger because I wanted to make him and my mother proud. King, People said that I put it out of my mind. Truth is, is it never entered. Right. I just plain forgot. King said his father had an enormous influence on him, instilling in his son a sense of humor and a love of sports. And no sport drew King's attention more than baseball. Mm -hmm. He grew up a fan of the Brooklyn Dodgers and continued to support the team after its move to Los Angeles. He was a fixture at the team's home games in Dodger Stadium, often spotted in the high-priced seats because he could afford it behind the home plate. How old was this guy? I 80 said Jesus. Yeah, I used to have tickets to the Homestead Grays. <laughs> but then I got Brooklyn Dodger tickets. I was there when Jackie broke the barrier. I don't know what Jackie's last name was, but it's Jackie something. I swear. I remember people chanting, boo, Jackie, boo. <laughs> See? I remember something, Neely. Right, exactly. In 2004, King wrote a book aptly titled Why I Love Baseball. <laughs> Work long and hard on that title, Neely. <laughs> he was a voracious Dodger fan, a baseball fan, longtime friend and Dodger sportscaster Charlie Steiner said, and we would fuss and fight about what the Dodgers were doing. He was terribly frustrated year after year when the Dodgers would win the division and fall short the World Series. But this year, he got to see the Dodgers win the World Series, and it made him enormously happy. Oh, thank God. Goodness. Yeah, at least he went out with a good memory. Thank God in his eulogy, we find out that he went out with a good sports memory. Thank God for that. What kind of eulogy is this? Jeez. These were the things he loved. Who cares? Well, apparently the people who were influenced by Larry King care. You know what he loved? New pussy every five years. <laughs> but I don't see that in the article. Nope. But this fucking guy got divorced. I dude, he literally changed out a chick every 10 years of his life. Well, he lived to be 900. Yeah. Jesus. King's career in media began in earnest in 1957 when he took a job as a disc jockey at WAHR AM in Miami. And it was then he made the decision to drop his surname. Mm. You can't use Larry Zeiger. He recalled his, his boss saying at the station, it's too ethnic. People won't be able to spell it or remember it. And you need a better name. Mm. Racist. You know, that song W-O-L-D by Harry Chapin, that was about me. <laughs> we were two kids and I was into AM rock. I was I was the lair. Lair the bear. That's what they called me on the air. Lair the bear is on the air. Exactly. Uh, there was no time to talk about whether this was good or bad or what my mother would say. I was going to go on the air in five minutes. King wrote in his 2009 autobiography, the Miami Herald was uh, spread out on the desk, face up with a full page ad for King's Wholesale Liquors. Mm. So basically took his name from a liquor. That's right. A liquor store. 
The general manager looked down and said, King, how about Larry King? Wait a minute. I thought I was Larry Old English. <laughs> it was about this time that King entered uh, what would become a string of failed marriages. This is the good part. All right, let's hear this. The union with Freda, F-R-A-D-A. Freda Miller was annulled. And the dates for his second marriage with Annette K were publicly unavailable. From 1961 to 1963, King married uh, was married to Aline or Elaine E L E N E. This might be a, a relation to you, Aline Aiken. Spelled the same way. A K I N. Oh my 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 sister. Yeah. This is why you're on radio today, Chris, because, uh, you know, it's a legacy. Yeah. Oh, there's no pictures of Elaine Aiken. <laughs> Whom he married again from 67 to 71 before they remarried. Mm -hmm. King tied the knot with uh, Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y, Supfin, S-U-T-P-H-I-N, Supfin. In 1964, before they divorced in 1966. Man, this dude went through some puss. Oh, my God. He had two more divorces with Sharon Lapore, with whom he was married from 1976 to 1982, and Julie Alexander, with whom he married from 1989 to, to 1992. Mm. Before yeah. marrying his seventh wife, Sean Southwick in 1997 at UCLA Medical Center. Right. He was about to undergo cardiac surgery. Yeah. He filed from, for divorce from Southwick in 2019, citing irreconcilable differences. Yeah. In 2019. Look, there's a picture of her with my sister. There's Elaine Aiken. Looks like Richard Ramirez. <laughs> Wow. He? Yeah. He looks like Richard Ramirez. He does. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yikes. Look at my sister's bouffant hair. Yeah, I know. I like that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Very 60s. Somebody even behind her just looks like they're tweaking it a little bit. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Looks like they're tweaking her hair. Hey, everybody. What do you think of this girl? Wow. All right. <clears throat> King uh, remarried in Miami for years, eventually getting hired as a columnist for the Miami Herald in 1965. Uh, in 1971, he was arrested in Miami on charges of grand larceny, which led to his suspension from the station and newspaper where he was employed. Although the charges were dismissed the following year, King was not rehired, prompting him to decamp Florida and head to Louisiana where he worked as a freelance journalist. Why, why would you go to Louisiana? It's me. In 1978, uh, King returned to Miami and to WIOD, the station where he was uh, employed at the time of his arrest. The same year, the Larry King show launched as a syndicated late night radio show. It was originally aired in 28 cities. Within five years, it had spread to 118 cities, serving as the springboard to fame. Mm -hmm. The show won a Peabody Award in 1982. In 1985, Larry King Live premiered on uh, CNN, beginning a long and storied run that included a number of high-profiles interview uh, throughout the more than two decades on the air. The show was routinely CNN's most watched program. Wow. Really, and King was arguably the network's biggest star. Mm. <clears throat> King left in uh, 2011, a move he expected that would amount to retirement, but he kept working until his death, hosting Larry King Now, a program that aired on Aura, O-R-A TV. Oh, he's on Aura TV? How did he get that gig? I don't know. Hulu and RT America. Uh, King, it seemed like he just never wanted to do the interview to end. I just love what I do. He said, I love asking questions and I love doing interviews. 
Guy probably had dementia from 20. <laughs> Just couldn't remember anything. Nope. What a boob. Wow. All right. So it was very telling. So basically, uh, you know, Natalie could get that job. Yeah. Well, Easily. It's an open chair. Yeah. It's like, basically, I didn't want to prepare. Didn't want to know nothing. Just want to go in there, you know, raw and go, who are you? And what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> well, rest in peace, Larry. Yeah. So there's our tribute to uh, Larry King mm -hmm. and one of Larry King's greatest all time uh, questions. Are your tunes hummable? Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Larry. Rest in peace. Yeah. Well, do you have a tune you would like to dedicate to Larry and his passing and the Let's... legacy that he's left behind? Um, 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 let me think of a good one here. Um, 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 how about if we go with, um, how about if we go with Megadeth, something that I'm not, which is a good interviewer in, in tribute to Larry. It's from system has failed. I got it. All right. Well, we'll we'll play some uh, some Megadeth, and we'll play a few um, a few few tunes, and we'll come back and uh, we'll do some more stuff. Sounds good. All right. Well, here's uh, Megadeth exclusively here on your classic. All right, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? And you know what else is a lot of fun? The CMS Podcast Network. That's right, cmspn.com is the address. Make sure you go over there. Make sure you watch the episodes there. You listen to the episodes there. And maybe you even just subscribe so it's delivered to your phone to whatever podcasting software you use. But do it from cmspn.com. Once again, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. We'll see you next time, fucks.